Specials, a Christmas Carol to Ebenezer Boogaloo. I am your host, Mitch, and with my other host is Joe, as always. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mitch, the undigested piece of beef to your undercooked potato. Here Ooh. we are for another day. I've always wanted to be an undercooked potato. Dreams do come true. Yes, this is the 10th day. I don't have to go through the spiel anymore, do I? If this is your first episode, Go back at least nine episodes, just to sort of clarify. But yes, we are doing 12 Days Counting Down to Christmas. We are looking at the Charles Dickens classic story of A Christmas Carol about Ebenezer Scrooge, or not just about that, maybe inspired by, or a different take on it or anything like that. But yes, we are nearly there. We're getting towards the pointy end of Tis the Season, and we are looking at a new episode here. We're looking at the classic story, but it's a modernisation. We are, yes. Well, if you can say the year 2000 was modernised. Modern compared to 1853. 1843, get your facts right. But no, (laughs) yesterday we did the traditional 1982 animated. This episode today, we're looking at a TV movie from the year 2000 that was filmed by the ITV company in England as a tally movie starring a quite a well-known actor from England who I didn't actually know myself by the name of Ross Kemp, who is famous for being, I think, a, a bit of a bad guy in the soap EastEnders. He played Grant Mitchell for about 13 years in EastEnders. So surprisingly, all the time I was watching EastEnders when I was younger, he wasn't in it. So I don't know of him. You actually watched EastEnders? I used to watch EastEnders oh, really? all the time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I've heard the name Ross Kemp, but not because of EastEnders, because I never watched it. He's sort of gone on to some sort of, you know, video journalism sort of stuff as well. And actually won an Emmy, I think, for being, didn't like secretly go into gangs or anything, but he sort of took his camera crew in and sort of, sort of... went inside and had a look at what it was like inside the gangs of the world and things like that. And he's, he's traveled the world doing sort of, not exposés, but sort of just Louis theroux sort of stuff where he sort of gets involved and shows what it's really like in some nasty little bits of work. So he seems like a decent bloke. He does, doesn't he? But his character in EastEnders was he was a bit of a, an East End lad. Bit of a lad. Bit of an ass, And he kind of follows on in this version of Scrooge as a bit of an ass. Well, he comes across as a tough guy. Like, I mean, he's got the shaved head. You know, it was year 2000 as well, where it was sort of a thing. Yeah. And he's got that sort of voice. Not Cockney. I mean, you know better, you're you're from that part of the world. So technically he is from Essex, so he's got that Essex accent. Okay. So he is a bit rough around the edges. And he's got that look. So imagine Robbie Williams just a little bit thicker. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a good analogy. The way he is. Leather trench coat. Looks looks like an odd man, really. Yeah, he looks well art. So yeah, that's the Ross Kemp. So he was a bit of a star. I think he was a popular character. I mean, to be on the soapy for 14 years means you're obviously well-liked or you're good at your job anyway. Yes. And I think when they made this film in the year 2000, it was what they call one of those golden handcuffs deals where he'd left EastEnders, but he was still under contract to the network and he basically had to take the roles that they gave him. And this was one of them. Mm. So following on from the story of... A Christmas Carol. This is pretty much a modern retelling, as you said. So he stars as Eddie Scrooge, who is kind of like a a loan shark sort of guy. And he starts the episode, he's walking around with his assistant, Bob Cratchit, and they are collecting the debts from 
people that owe money sort of leading up to Christmas. I think it is actually Christmas Eve on the day that he starts. And we just see him being a bastard, going around, collecting money from old people and having to go at them when they haven't quite got enough to pay their weekly bills. There's a a young mum whose kid's watching television and he goes in and repossesses the telly because she can't pay the bill and ends up throwing it off the the balcony of their two-storey flat sort of thing because she won't pay the money. And he's like, well, if you don't pay, you don't get a telly something. So it establishes the fact that he is a bastard. He's an odd man and he's yeah. cold. Yeah, it's quite interesting. So it's that estate, what do you call it? The um, like commission housing sort of thing. It's very concrete. Yeah, think, it's it's something you see in the Kingsmen and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's not a pleasant place. It's it's low-income housing. Yeah, exactly. and, and he's living like a king in this area. So he's just basically a loan shark. That's exactly what he is. He's going around. Yeah. But he's also the hard man. He's the heavy. He's the one who gets his hands dirty. And Bob Cratchit's sort of the... The money man, like he yeah, doesn't like the, to do the job, but he's yeah. he sort of has to. And it's established that he owes him money and that's why he does it. Like he doesn't like doing what he does. And he doesn't get his, you know, he's not a bad person at all. He's not getting his hands no, dirty. No, he doesn't he's like to get his hands dirty. He leaves that up to Eddie. Yeah, he it's, it's, it's just sort of goes around and does what he's told. Yeah, so you're sort of going around and there's, and you sort of get these established people. So there's a bunch of people singing, like the Salvation Army are singing carols. Someone knocks a tree over. Someone's walking along trying to get pay the money someone wants money and you get all these established characters that he's trying to get money from and he's sort of getting payments from or he's repossessing like you said so there's a lady with some children that he takes the television away there's an old couple that own money and then they don't have much food there's another guy who'd like to go visit australia to visit his family that's what he's thinking about overextending what he already owes because i'm thinking of taking some more money so i can do this and he's working out it seems like reasonable rates. Like it was like, oh, five pound a week, you know, you can pay it for this. It's like five pound a week doesn't sound too bad. No, but then when you work out the maths of it, it's like for 10 years and he's only borrowing 700 pound for his ticket to Taz- uh, to Australia. So it is a bit yeah, of a... Uh, yeah. But the payments seem doable. But anyway, I don't yeah, know how yeah. it all works. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it... yeah, so we, as you said, we, we have these established characters and one of them is this sort of older lady that comes up to him and, and sort of, has a bit of a go and he just sort of goes, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Marley or something like that. And we establish that this is actually Marley's mum. And then she makes reference to the fact that Jacob Marley was Scrooge's partner, but he was mysteriously killed on Christmas Eve seven years ago. So they they have that same sort of bit that the original has, but it's just slightly modernised. So we get Scrooge, you know, not caring that it's Christmas, still collecting his debts, still being a heavy on Christmas Eve. And then at the end of the day, he goes home and he's sitting around his, it's almost like a basement flat that he's living in, but down the bottom of the basement, it's it's a bit squalor and there's a bunch of street kids that he chases away because they're hanging around from his flat. So he then gets a visitation from the ghost of his ex-partner, Marley, who kind of similar to the normal story, he comes in with the chains, he does all the bit, he tells him that you know, you, you need to repent, pay for your life because I was a bastard too in life and I'm now paying for it in death. And he does the whole, you are going to get visited. It's a modern version of it. It's not the same words. We don't get our undigested piece of beef or anything like that. It's no. just 
a modern version of that. But it's it's good though because the dialogue's great. So he's there and he's he looks cool. His partner, he's there. He's got the big black coat and all this, and he he dresses of the time yeah. in the fashion. But he does have the chains. Yeah, it's not as obvious, but they're there and they do highlight them when they talk about them. But the dialogue between them is of its time as well. It's it's very two thousands. It's it's two lads having a chat talking about it. It's not in any you know Victorian England vernacular or anything yeah. like that. And it, it's of the now. And it's sort of like you got to check yourself, mate. Check yourself. So Marley goes away and he's watching the closed circuit TV of the area and seeing if the ghost turns up on the TV screen. And they kind of make it out like he falls asleep in front of the telly. But then when he wakes up, it's static. And this ghostly face of his dad comes onto the screen. And his dad's actually played by Warren Mitchell, who was quite famous for being Alf Garner. Yeah, so quite a famous actor back in the day. No longer with us, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he was Alf Garner in Till Death Do Us Part. And he's been in just... a shitload of other stuff as well. And I think he eventually became an Australian citizen for somewhere down the line there as well. But anyway, so Eddie's kind of on the couch seeing his dad and his dad's giving him a bit of stick through the TV and he goes and unplugs the telly with the picture of his dad still on the screen. And one bit I really liked is the dad kind of punches his way out of the TV screen and you see like this fist just come breaking through the glass and then his dad comes out. And I thought it was really well done. It was effective, yeah. Yeah, but basically his dad comes out as the ghost of Christmas past. We get a bit of a recap of Eddie when he was a child and his dad was also a bit of an ass, and it's kind of mm. like that generational arsedom, no. if that's a word, yeah. where his mum had died young, his dad had no time for Eddie and his sister and was always down the pub, not really caring about his kids. And in turn, he, Eddie himself became a bit of a lout and turned into what he is now. Yeah, well, he, he sort of took to crime to look after his sister, from my sort of take. Because the dad was never there and there was no money and this and that. So he sort of became a bit of a heavy when he was a kid to other kids and then obviously, you know, turned that into a career in a sense. And it was like, and they're there at the funeral and they're watching, you know, doing the whole they can't be seen kind of thing. Yeah. And they're standing there, him and his sister are standing there as children and the dad's standing there and it's like, put your arm around him. You didn't even touch us. You didn't even, you know, he's really angry. You know, sort of like, we've just lost our mum. Show some compassion. So it shows that there's there's something there in yeah. Scrooge. But yeah, um, obviously we've addressed a couple of times in the classic Scrooge tale where he's gone back and there was that one instance where he's gone back home and actually met his dad from his school holidays and he's basically... Yeah, the dad was an ass saying, oh, you're a shit kid. I sent you to this good school. Now go win some money. Go work for Fizzywig for me and send some money back to me. That sort of thing. So yeah. maybe his dad was always an ass. This is a second time we've sort of seen it this time around. But yeah, so yeah, exactly. it, it established him as a cold, heartless bastard, essentially, because yeah. his dad was, and sort of pushed him in his you know career path, essentially. Yeah. So we don't really get Fizzywig at all, but we do get a Belle character. So in this version, she is a nurse called Bella, and she was played by Angeline Ball, who you may recognise from being the backing singer in The Commitments. Ah, yes. Now that you mention it, it's like, ah. But yeah, so so she's a a nurse. Somehow it turns out Eddie's had to go to the hospital for some reason and starts chatting her up and they get a bit of a relationship going we jump forward a few years when he's proposing to her and has this like five thousand dollar wedding ring and she kind of turns it around via the traditional thing is instead of her basically saying i've got no money you've got a lot of money and that's all you care about she says i don't care about the money i just don't like the fact that the way you make your money is by exploiting other people yeah and they break up we kind of see the still the past but a little bit 
further in, closer to the, the now, when we see Bella with another bloke sort of in another relationship. And, and he does actually say, that's enough, I've seen enough, take me away sort of thing. So he does kind of hit the beats of the original story, just that little bit different. Yeah, and we also get these established, and there is a Fred character. Yep. His sister's had a child, and it's his nephew, but he's a copper. He's a he's he's a plod. Yep. He's he's disappointed in in his nephew, not because you know he's happy for being poor, but actually he became a copper when he obviously. I suppose being a loan shark is not a criminal, but I guess he's he probably has nefarious means to make the money and demand the money and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they've diametrically opposed in that way, and he's and it's the same Fred character as far as come for Christmas dinner, I always invite you, you never come, all that sort of stuff. Yep. And we also see the fact that Bob Cratchit has a little son who is lame still in Tiny Tim. I don't think they actually explain what's wrong Cystic with Cystic fibrosis he's got. Oh, they do, actually. Yeah, yeah. I so he's that. actually in hospital. And I think at one stage Bob actually asks for time off to go and see his, his son in hospital. And Eddie's kind of like, well, isn't his mum with him? And Bob's like, well, he wants his mum and his dad with him. He's pretty sick. Yeah. So, yeah, we get that establishment of the tiny tip. And he, he gets a whole thing, I didn't realise. I didn't realise it was so bad. Hmm. And, and I don't know if it's a take on ignorance and want, but there's also they establish another character where, or characters, where the, the kids he was you said he was chasing out of his the basement of his tenement block like in the it's sort yep. of like underground car parky sort of thing he finds them that they've actually one's got hypothermia and pneumonia and the other one and they they're dying essentially or they die we see that yeah they, they almost represent ignorance and want in yeah, a weird way there's a little bit of a coalition there but so we sort of get that day of that Christmas day. And it's the day we sort of saw, but we get it again. So he goes through these things. It's a bit like Groundhog Day. Yeah, something that's in the original text that we don't see a lot is the fact that he relives Christmas Eve every time. And then at the night time, he then gets visited by the next ghost. Because in a lot of versions, they actually do say, over the next night, you will be visited by three ghosts. Yeah. But what they actually mean is over the next couple of nights at the same time each night. So, yeah, he relives his day. He gets to realise what's happening. And, he, and as you said, there's a kid that trips over a Christmas tree on the first bit. And he kind of sees that coming. So he, he waits for it and moves the tree out of the way on the second day. We get him shaking down the, the old couple again for their money. And they're like, oh, we've only got three pounds, but we owe you two pounds. And then he sort of goes, oh, what about that other two pounds you've got stuck in your sock? Because he's seen them the day before. So we get yeah. that, as you say, Groundhog Day going along. And then at the end of that night, we have Marley comes back as the ghost of Christmas present, which is a yeah. little bit of a, a take on... Well, he makes a joke on it, doesn't he? Saying, yeah, he does. oh, you know, yeah. you know, we're a bit short-staffed at the moment or something stupid like that. Yeah. And we but he's coming in Christmas lights. Yeah, rather than change. He's just normally dressed himself, but he's got Christmas lights around him, yeah. Yeah, and the main part of this story is, I guess, you find out how... Marley got killed. I, the way I interpreted it is that Scrooge kind of almost set him up, though that he sent him to, to pick up some money or a deal or something, and the deal went bad, and he ended up getting shot. And yeah. I think Scrooge kind of feels guilty for that, but he he's, does, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kind of known about it, but he's never actually gone to the police. He's never because, gone to the police. Yeah, either he feels guilty about it or he just, you know, the criminal code and he doesn't want to dob his mates in or something. Well, he feels guilty because he set the situation up which got him killed. Yeah. You meet Marley's mum a few times because he repeats the day. So she's part of the – she's in charge of the people caroling, the singing in the um, – in the sort of like the estate. And she keeps saying, do you know what happened to my son? 
and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, no, I don't know. I don't know. So we keep getting that. They keep having, he has more interaction with her every time and he's getting closer to telling her, but you know, she's very cold with him. He's very cold with her. So she knows he knows, but he's not coming forward with anything and he's not willing to come forward. So we sort of get that played out. So with that, after that days of Christmas passed, he goes and relives that Christmas day and he sees all these things happening. And like you said, he knew the money was in the sock. So he's he sort of, you know, pressured him into giving more. So he actually used it to his an advantage and yeah. screwed people over more and was even more nastier to them, yeah. you know, and that sort of thing. But it wasn't until he goes to the Christmas present when they sort of showed the Tiny Tim character, show Fred at home with his wife and kid talking about, you know, oh, he's my uncle. He took me in when mum died. He did all this, he did all that, you know, a bit of time. So he's realising that people are generally nice. Yep. And the ghost of Christmas yet to come is actually an envisionment of his future child. Yeah, which is an interesting take. So as a young child, it was just, you didn't know who it was. It was just a child that didn't speak. Hmm. And just basically all the pointing and all that sort yeah. of usual and just stuff. Just him around. Yeah. There was one bit where they get closer to the bit where you see Eddie Scrooge's grave, and he's running away from the gravesite while the boy's still pointing and stuff. And the way they filmed the camera work, it's it's pretty cool because it's like the boy is floating in air in front of him, and they keep yeah. cutting to different angles, like a different camera, so it looks like it's. He's on the left, then he's on the right, then he's on the left sort of thing. And I thought that bit was quite well done. For a TV movie, they did, you know, they tried. The director had a go and it was good. Yeah, and he tried, like in the Christmas present, he tried to save the kids because, like he said, he was trying to get Bella back. So he kept going to the hospital and trying to talk to her, but she didn't really want to borrow it. She had a friend, they established a friend of Bella that was sort of, you know, you don't need him, you don't need him. Yeah, another nurse at the hospital with her. He actually finds these kids and he tries to save them, the ones that are pneumonia. And they both end up dying when he sees the date. I think it's a ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. Present that he sees Present, that. Yeah. And he, has, he goes and forces himself, but in his typical asshole way, trying to help them. Well, one's totally out cold, nearly dead anyway. So he takes him to the hospital. It's too late. Next time he tries, he goes to the pub where Bella is and he says, come with me. You just got to come with me. What do you want? No, just come with me. And she tries to save him and they can't. Like, that doesn't work. But he, at least he's trying, but he's not. Yeah. It's He's still a bit of a dick about the whole thing. You just can't be stop being an ass in that way. So there's things in motion. Things are happening and it's working kind of well. And like you said, we've got the Ghost of Christmas future. Takes him out, shows him all the things that are going on. They're at the gravestone, realizes that him, he runs away and he changes. And he's not as jovial as an Alistair Sim. He's not dancing around or anything, but he does have a change. I mean, does he go through the rant? I think he does about, you know, does this have to be? I can change. I can do this. Yeah, he does actually do the, is this set in stone sort of thing? Is it, you know, complete future or can it be changed? And they actually do, as he's saying, kind of goodbye to that ghost as well. They do that bit that's in a few versions where he's kind of clinging to the child and mm-hmm. it cuts to him waking up in bed and he's like hanging on to Holding his doodle, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Yeah, so he sort of comes up and he and he sort of, yeah, he's he wakes up in the morning and he's all changed and he sort of writes everything. He sort of goes and like you said, there was all these things that happened, like the, the, like the tree falling over, the kid falling. He pulled out the tree out of the middle so it didn't all fall over. He just set things right that were going to be wrong as yeah. far as just things falling over or breaking. Yeah. But then he goes and he goes and gives a video to the girl that he took the TV from. It's like, here you go, Merry Christmas. I don't know. I don't want to owe you any more money. It's like, just take it. It's a gift. You know, so he's still a bit grumpy. He's still got that demeanor about him, but it's like, no, just don't question it. Just take it. He he saves the kids in the underpass. 
Yep. He, yeah, he has a big present that he gives to the old couple and pretty much says, oh, you've paid He gives them a bunch of food, a yeah. whole shitload of food, and yeah. it's all happy. And he knocks them out when he freaks out because he scares him because he's being yeah. nice. They have a, have a good Christmas. The guy who wanted to go visit his family in Australia, he gives him tickets to Australia. When he sees the Ghost of Christmas present, they actually go visit Tiny Tim in hospital. Yeah. And Bob Cratchit's wife tells him, I hate that you work for him. And he goes, but I owe him so much money. I, I don't like working for him either. It's like, you could do so much more. You can do so much better. So when he comes out, he actually sacks Cratchit and he goes, I suppose you want to spend more time with your son, do you? Well, fuck off, go. You're, you're sacked. Yeah, I thought that was a bit weird too. But then... And he goes, no, 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 go. You're out. You're gone. So he, he, instead of being nice to him, he's, he freed him by being nice, but he didn't do it by being nice. He yeah. actually cut ties and let it go. But which I, What you don't originally find out when he sacks him is he's also... I, I think he's bought like a pool's ticket from the day that he's reliving because he knows what the result's going to be. So he puts the numbers on the lotto ticket and puts it in Bob's name. So Bob ends up winning like... £50,000. Oh, which, is that what happened? Yeah, I was confused so, about it. Okay. Yeah, I, I missed that initially too, but then I picked it up on the second watch. But So so he's actually cashed in this lotto ticket for Bob and given Bob £50,000 to look after his kids so he doesn't need to work. Yeah, like he's got cystic fibrosis because he talks when he goes back and tries to fix it the second time. It's like, oh, I can give you money. I can help with this. It's like, it's cystic fibrosis. You can't help. Yeah. So I think they didn't, they didn't help Tiny Tim like in the other stories. I think Tiny Tim's unfortunately got... You know, a death sentence, essentially. But what he did was gave him time yeah. to spend with him. Yeah, so it's like, like still dark and nasty, but it was like the best case scenario for a shit scenario, I think, is what he gave. And another thing I think is pretty cool that he, he bumps into his nephew in the pub again and sort of says, look, you know, I've, I've got evidence or I've got, you know, stuff to tell you about the death of Marley and being a copper, he obviously does that. But he then says to, I think it's Ted is his nephew, he says to Ted, look, you know, I'll, I'll bring a turkey, I'll come over and we'll have Christmas lunch. And he makes reference to the fact that they're actually vegans now. And yeah. Scrooge is like, well, I'll bring the biggest nut loaf you can ever see sort of thing. And we have the reconciliation with Belle as well, and or Bella, and then Bella and Scrooge go to Ted's for Christmas lunch. You see them all having fun. And then also we then see a few years down the track when they're a bit older and the ghost of Christmas yet to come is their son and they're hanging out, ice skating and having fun as a family. So yeah. you kind of do get that redemption. It's just a little bit different to your traditional Yeah, story. it's not as clear. You sort of get that future because in, in most stories it's – and Scrooge became like a second dad to Tiny Tim and, and he stayed true to his bond and he said – he became the good man he said he would be. That's most of the stories you get. This is the one where you actually get a future because he is a younger character where Scrooge in most of the stories he's old. Yeah, he's an old so man. It's not like he's getting married and having kids. Yeah. i got to say, I really like this. I liked it, but I had a, a little issue with the fact that I thought the second half dragged a little bit compared to the first half. I thought probably the first hour seemed quite good and good pacing flowed quite well, but that last half an hour I thought did drag a little bit. So the whole ghost of Christmas yet to come kind of a bit slow. I think it went pretty quick, but yeah, just the fact that you sort of got the same day again and again, it dragged a little bit Yeah, in those sort of aspects. That, yeah, okay, we've seen this and I, I get what you're doing, but I don't know, he seemed charismatic enough, like you're watching him. Like hmm. he's a gruff Englishman in that way that is sort of like, oh, you're not likable and you're not meant to be likable. I get that, but you've got to be watchable. And yeah, exactly. I, I got enough of it and I, I dug I dug the idea that they contemporized it. Yeah, I thought they did it well. Like we've said many times over these over the years now is this is the story of the of the ages. Like it, it's all about everyone's looking out for themselves. Christmas is the time to look out for other people and we're doing it wrong when we're not looking out for other people. 
and this is all about the poor houses and the, the Scrooge is all about, you know, it's all about the money. And that's a line in, a classic line in the story, in the original text is, you know, he says to Fred, it's like, how can you be so happy when you've got so little money? And Fred says to him, how can you be so miserable when you've got so much of it? And it's just yeah. that classic thing of, yeah, it's sort of like now is the time to look out for people and this is the best we can do. Why should we? Why is the government doing this? Why can't we? Exactly. This is, yeah, set in the estates, doing that sort of thing. He's a money lender. Why? Because they're living in poverty. They have to go to him for it because there are no other systems and that in place. Why are the people under the bridge dying? Because they don't have a home. They're homeless. And, you know, he was ignoring them for the start, telling him to piss off, and by the end he's saving them. So it, 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 all the things are there. It's just set very much now, and it's great in that way. You know, it's yeah, really I'd like awesome. To. I'd like to see more of these where it's a bit more contemporized because I think it's really cool. So uh, that's why I really dug and my first take was that American Christmas Carol that we watched last time because that was my first real take of it from memory and my most vivid memory of it was watching that in the 80s on TV. And that was a, you know, Industrial Revolution in America version of it. But that was my version for so long. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of want to see more, like a more traditional take on it as far as let's stay traditional to the text, but let's set it in different settings. Obviously, we see the, the themes put into modern versions of things, but this wasn't just the themes. This was a Christmas carol. So, yeah, oh, I, I agree. I think it was well worth the watch, and I'm glad you found it. Yeah, me too. It was good. Anyway, I think that's time to go. It's time yeah, to go definitely. on with some rapping to do, you know, and then I might do some beatboxing as well. But anyway. Exactly. Spin on your head too. That, that's always fun. I, I, oh, it's a young man's game. Can't do it anymore. All righty. Well, All until right. we come back tomorrow, thank you very much, yes. Mitch. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow with another version. No worries. Bye. Sorry.